Sidetracked, the music podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Sidetrack Music Podcast. This is episode two. We're back. Um, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably only a week or two after the first episode, but it's been a long time since we actually recorded the first episode. We've been procrastinating, but alas, we are here. Hello, Zephyr. How are you doing? I'm good, Jules. How are you? Good, thank you. And Zach, good to see Hi. you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yes. Right, awkward hellos out of the way. <laughs> we will dive straight in um, to our brief for the week. So in case this is your first episode, every week uh, one of us sets a brief and um, each one of us brings in a song or an album or something which kind of fits that brief. So last week we did uh, debut albums. This episode, Zach has set the brief. Zach, what have you set for us? Well, being a sax player, I thought I'd set um, favorite sax solos. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing today. Okay. Well, um, obviously we knew that before Zach said that because we had prepared stuff, but you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we all love a sax solo. It is the, the sexy instrument in itself. Possibly, you know, I don't know. Is, is it the most romantic instrument in, uh, out of all of them? I like to think so, um, <laughs> but I'm a bit biased. <laughs> I reckon maybe a string instrument could could be up there. Maybe. What, like a kind of oh, am I insulting violin in My Paris? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Actually. Did I did I offend <laughs> you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the drums are known to be incredibly romantic and soothing. <laughs> yeah, very romantic. I, I can evoke As so many the French horns, we all know. But yeah, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, okay, so we'll we'll start. Okay, I'll start. My, my, the track that I've brought is um, "Smooth Operator" by by Sharda. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, and yeah, so this is a. Uh, I mean, the the it's all in the name, really. It's a very it's just a it's just a smooth track. It sounds really good, but uh, the thing I really like about it is that um, there's a kind of short about eight bar sax solo in the middle, but the sax kind of interweaves with the the melody and the singing kind of throughout the song. And it's really, it's basically kind of another singer um, just kind of sharing the the lead with uh, Sharda herself. So I think we'll just play play uh, our clip of that now um, to give you an idea. And then we'll talk a bit more about it afterwards. So here it is, uh, Smooth Operator by Sharda. by Sharda. Uh, Zephyr, you have something to say about the, the production of the song. Yeah, so in this song, the sax actually uses effects like for the saxophone, and it's echo and reverb, I, I reckon, I think. And basically, a lot of modernly, and a lot of modern production and on saxophone and other like kind of acoustic instruments, people put like sound effects, like they would a guitar, like a pedal board, and they put effects through their saxophone to like change the sound, which is, yeah, it's used a lot more modernly and it was never really used kind of for classical jazz. And I said classical jazz, that's like an oxymoron, but um, <laughs> jazz, like traditional jazz, um, it was never really used because it didn't really exist. And it only really was used in rock music and maybe pop music as well. 
but now it's being much more used in um yeah modern kind of jazz and all that sort of stuff and it's used in the song so yeah yeah of course in this song um the the reverb and the echo was applied um in the studio i think after recording mm-hmm. it wasn't through a pedal board no um, no yeah, i'm sure not yeah no but you're absolutely right um it's really exciting um that uh, more sax players are using um pedals like that directly affect the mic they're playing into um which means um when they're performing live you can get really really cool effects um like pitch shifting um so you can like you can play because because saxophone you can only play one note at a time um with the with these pedals you can play like in harmony with yourself they'll like shift it down a third or something um some really really exciting stuff out there actually um but yeah um i i think the the reverb and the echo on this they they just add to this like this whole smooth like smoochy yeah. sound the sax playing um and the player, uh, the saxophone player, Stuart Matthewman, um, he is a great he's, name. He's really, great name. really incredible. Um, yeah, hilarious name, <laughs> Stuart Matthewman. Um, I think he does it so well. He uh, he uses a lot of things that we call um, scoops on the saxophone, um, where you'll kind of you'll start um, slightly below the pitch of the actual note, and then you'll glide up to the actual pitch. Um, like, oh uh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of classic classic smooth um smooth jazz technique his playing is so smooth you could call him a smooth operator mm. Mm. Right. maybe he is the I, smooth I will operator. forgive any listener for turning off the podcast at this point <laughs> <laughs> i apologize for my please awful stay, dad joke um, yeah but no it's just such a nice track it's like a kind of nice nice little fusion it's like very jazzy and stuff but very kind of still like accessible to anyone because it's just such a catchy tune um, mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, without further ado, we'll move on to uh, Zephyr. What What have you brought for us? So I've brought um, the sax solo from Candy, which is not the Robbie Williams version from like 2013 because that doesn't have a sax solo in it. Um, I'm talking about the Cameo version from 1986. Um, so Cameo is like this kind of funk, hip hop, like kind of early hip hop kind of group. Um, I think there's three members, and it came from the album Word Up. And there's also a song Word Up. And this was one of the two, these two songs are the most popular on that album, I think. Um, in fact, this one, um, this song reached number one on the RME charts in 1987. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a banger. Um, so we'll play a clip of it now and we'll talk about it a bit afterwards. So here's Candy by uh, Candy. It's like So the solo is by Michael Brecker, who's a notorious saxophonist who played in like I don't I, I can't name the number of tracks because I don't really know, but I'm sure it's hundreds. Um, um, so yeah, yeah, he's been on almost 900 albums, uh, Michael Brecker. There you 900, go. Um, 900, that is insane. Yeah. That's insane. That is a lot um, of recording, a lot of time in the recording studio, and he does yeah. it for like all genres as well. 
not just like jazz and pop and because this is a hip hop sort of R and B tune, mm. but he definitely does it for loads of other genres as well. But yeah, he started in the sixties, was it, with his brother? I remember you saying you can talk about Yeah, that. yeah. Um he started playing kind of with his brother, uh Randy Brecker, um, around the sixties, and they had a kind of jazz fusion uh band. Um and they got really big. Um but yeah, but Mike Brecker then went on to do lots of solo stuff as well. Um yeah, he's genuinely regarded as like the most technically able sax player of all time. Um, oh, so okay. he can play incredibly okay. fast. Um, but that doesn't mean that he can't tone it down and play tastefully, as you just heard. Well, um, for example, in this track, he plays mm. very, it's very melodic, actually. It's quite repetitive. There's like a kind of, a, a kind of, a, well, a motif that he goes through and he kind of mm, changes yeah. every time. And it's, it's quite cool. It's really groovy. It's not like at all like um, beboppy, like scaly and kind of like, Actually, saying that, towards the end, he does kind of play off as the song's kind of ending, and he plays like these insanely fast scales, and you can hear his yeah, technical yeah. ability really shine through, because it is it's quite cool, that bit, actually. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so this this song in general was actually um, like used, it's sampled in loads of other songs, because uh, the groove is so recognisable. That bass, dum, 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 that is you, and the groove as well, they're just a simple kind of, I, you can't see me because I'm, I'm mimicking, but the point is that it's a very simple groove, like four on the floor sort of style. And so, yeah, it was sampled in a two-pack song, All About You, um, which featured artists like Nate Dogg, Snoop Dogg. I mean, it's big, big, big people that use this song. And then also Beyonce in Before I Let Go. That's from 2019. I'm not sure what album that is, but yeah. So it's, it's been sampled quite a few times because that groove is very recognisable. Um Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but just getting back to this solo, um, I think there's there's more that Mike Brecker does. It. Sorry, I could talk about Michael Brecker um, for, for <laughs> go for days. It, go for it. Um, it is about the sax solos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he, he got kind of very accustomed to playing on lots of pop records, um, and you can hear that like he's just he's so good at it. Um, so there's this thing that he does um, in quite a lot of his solos where kind of near the end he'll just pop quite a high note, kind of build the hype. It's like a classic sax solo thing the pop a really high note and just oh, the kind of it. split note um, thingy which is the, like yeah the, um yeah. yeah but the classic brecker thing is he, he adds a bit of growl to it um it just it, it adds a bit of crunch it's really nice um yeah we love it <laughs> mm. yeah mm. i mean in my limited knowledge of, of saxophone playing and of just kind of soloing in general i the, the one thing i didn't notice was what that was i really enjoyed about this solo was like the kind of repeated motif so he mm. kind of he finds he finds his lick and then he kind of repeats it changes it a bit and for the last time he goes slightly more wild with it and then he finds another one and he does it all over again and it's all um it's all very interesting yeah yeah i was, I was gonna say it's like it's like the art of improvisation um because he's obviously a very technically able guy um but the ability to just not play everything you know and just to play simply um yeah. And to create a melody because people don't want to hear you noodling they want to hear a melody um and he knows that and the fact that he can just kind of leave space and get in the groove um it's what makes him so great and it's why he was so in demand um i mean he played with i've got i've got a list here um <laughs> played with uh billy joel <laughs> go through all paul simon john lennon albums. yeah we're gonna name all 900 albums <laughs> um here we go. like Joni mitchell um steely dan actually oh, um who steely we'll hear dan. more okay. about later um yeah um 
He's a pretty incredible guy. I think there's actually an encyclopedia on YouTube. I think it's like seven videos long of like all the solo pop tennis stuff. Because he's a he's a tennis player mostly, isn't he? Um, yeah. Which are you a ten- mostly a tennis player? You are, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I am. I am. It's kind of that deeper sax. I mean, it's not a, it's not a baritone, but it's it's kind of that deeper side. Which I, I actually my my probably my favorite saxophone is the tennis sax. Oh, thank um, you. I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs of all the different types of saxophones. But I know it's got quite um, an interesting like range, doesn't it? Like it can go relatively high, but also can hit those low notes quite well. Yeah, yeah, it's why I prefer it because um, you can you can go lower, um, so you can really pack the punch right at the bottom, um, and even sometimes play bass lines on it. Um, but um, I mean, if you're if you're if you've got the skill, you can go pretty much as high as um, the alto as well, probably even higher. Um, I mean, there's there's no ends to the saxophone's range. Um, I do find there is nothing cooler than just a really, really bass, bassy kind of saxophone, like the really bass one, and just the <laughs> yeah, pure yeah. kind of fart power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant way of describing it. Yeah, it's very, very amusing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. I think I think that's enough about candy. Uh, should Zach? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Zach. Yeah. Um, so. I'm going to talk about um, Pick Up the Pieces, um, but not the original average white band version. Um, this is a cover by uh, the saxophone player Candy Dolfer. Um, so Candy's a... Uh, yeah, Candy, from Candy to Candy. Yeah, I was going to say, you've um, missed, <laughs> missed an amazing segue there, you know, from oh, one Candy oh, to another. No! <laughs> that oh, been, we, oh, next time, next time. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, okay. Sorry, um, well, anyway... Um, so Candy, Candy Dolfer, um, the uh, she's a Dutch sax player um, who combines like funk and kind of smooth jazz in her music, um, and she actually a bit like Brecker um, has been one of like the main session sax players and touring sax players um, on the pop scene, um, playing with like Prince and uh, Dave Stewart of Eurythmics um, and Pink Floyd, um, yeah, so really really big player. Um, Anyway, so uh, Pick Up The Pieces is uh, from her first live album um, called Live in Amsterdam, um, which is her hometown. And uh, this album like contains lots of great tracks, um, including her most popular song, Lily Was Here, which also features Dave Stewart. Um, anyway, so um, this cover is really great, and we're going to listen to that now. Um, we're going to listen just to the opening track, and then we're going to get onto the saxophone. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is incredibly in the pocket, really crisp and groovy. Um, she kind of she uses her on alto saxophone, um, then trumpet, and then a tenor sax player. So they're in three part harmony the entire time, um, which just ah, oh, it really packs the punch. I love it. Um, and I'd actually I'd even argue that it's slightly better than the um, average white band version original. I know, Ooh. I know, controversial. Ooh, that is controversial. Uh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But I, I've prepared some points, so um, you know I'm going to argue oh my case. Okay, <laughs> um, you may begin. You can take the stand. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that the average white band version, the the horns, or well, they only use two horns in this one, so it's not quite as 
doesn't quite pack the punch as much as Candy Dolphins one, I think. Um, I feel like it feels a little robotic. It's not, they don't swing as much. I don't feel like they're quite in the groove as much. Um, and the thing that Candy Dolphin adds, um, I think just like elevates her track to an entirely new level. Like, so she adds, um, in between the sax and, um, well, the, the horn, um, phrases, she sings, um, like incredibly high, like, I, w- I, I wouldn't call it singing. I'll be honest. It, it, I think more of a scream. Sing slash screaming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that bit. I love that bit. That bit. Yeah. That's quite cool to um, It's like incredibly hard. Like, woohoo. I mean, like three octaves above what I just did. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it's incredible, actually, because she, this is a live album. So there's no like, there's no funny business here. She's not like recording it in between her sax bits. Um, she's taking the sax out of her mouth and like, like preparing herself to sing these incredibly high notes in between each phrase. Um, and I think it sounds great. They're whistle tones, aren't they? When you, They're, yeah, yeah, whistle tones when you sing in that high register. Again, for those who don't know, I mean, it's a technical thing where, I mean, I don't think guys can do it as easily. It's much easier for girls to do. I think what you're trying was, to say is that she's singing so high that only dogs can hear it. It's like that. Yes. Basically, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> people like Mariah Carey, Ariana Grande, they use that sort of thing, which is, those are like yeah. some of the, like the most notoriously good singers. And the fact that this saxophonist, who isn't really a singer, probably, I'm mm. not sure if she sings on any other tracks, but she then just switches, like you said, really quickly to that super high whistle note. It's really, yeah, yeah. Really I mean, she she does. I mean, I'm I'm not a singer, so I wouldn't know how hard it is to do. But it sounds pretty pretty difficult. Um, and I think the fact that she can just switch between singing like pretty well, I think it sounds great. At first, I thought it was it was a guitar actually before singing. Um, yeah, so I but, thought it was um, some kind of instrument, or I don't know, some very small saxophone. <laughs> yeah well, is there such I thing mean, as a piccolo sax uh there is god there's there's there's, there's a soprano alto, sax. there's a soprano I've and there's, the there's a sopranini sax. and then there's a sopranino i think that's hilarious um, how small that is that is hilarious it? It, it there's is, got to be very, a saxophone museum somewhere which has kind of a whole <laughs> uh, there are some crazy collectors the out there <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> god anyway. no but it's not um it's it's singing um i think that she can just do that it's just it's a testament to just what a great performer she is um the fact that this is is all live um yeah and then then of course we're hit with this absolute kind of one minute 10 second beauty of the sax solo um, which we'll play a bit now um serious stank bass during that solo i don't know who you are because wow that is yeah i was stanking hard it's incredible kind of serious jazz frown i mean yeah kind of the sheer like extravagance of the whole thing i just kind of love so the song itself is nine and a half minutes long which kind of says Mm. all you need to say so 
in in that in a way, I'm surprised that the solo is only a minute ten of that. Um, you would think yeah. that if they found if they've persuaded the publishers, I mean, to be fair, that no, but this is the kind of thing that you get with a live performance. Actually, it's not a studio; they would that would never be allowed in a studio recording. But um, that, that's what's great because they can push it as long as they want. So imagine, like, you're in the crowd, they're going for ten whole minutes without stopping. It's crazy. But yeah, I, I'm surprised that she actually restricted herself to the solo. But what she does pack <laughs> into the solo. It's crazy. And um, just before the solo, you have these kind of chords, which um, Zach is going to talk about. But um, they just keep going. like They just keep building it. And it's part of the whole kind of extravagance and madness of the thing that they're like, okay, oh, now we've got to go. Now we're And then eventually they find like, okay, right, we'll work in the solo. And I completely get the feeling because as a musician, when you find a kind of nice kind of sequence, you just want to keep like building it up and up and up. Yeah, and then yeah. eventually drop it and make it crazy but yeah anyway zach you have more technical things to say no i was going to talk a bit about the length of it as well because um actually after this sax solo there is a there's a pretty great breakdown um which i mean it sounds hilarious i would have loved to be in the audience for this um (laughs) and they break everything down and they build up the instrument one by one which is why it the entire track is so long um it gets a bit cheesy They, they add in lyrics like my bass my bass my bass in the place (laughs) (laughs) i mean the original lyrics in the actual song are just pick up the pieces oh yeah yeah, they do that too uh, Um, i'm sure they do there's like a bit like at the like however long the original is like four or five minutes song at like the four minute mark they go pick up the pieces and that's kind of like that's the only i would argue that is is cooler and more trendy slightly cooler say than shouting my bass my bass (laughs) My face yeah, is in the um, place. <laughs> so there's our lyrical analysis for the uh, for the episode. <laughs> yes, right. And from lyrical anal- analysis to uh, some chordal analysis. Um, yeah. So right at the start, just before the um, just before the solo, you get this kind of incredible tension built up by the horns. Um, they play these like they play these very seemingly unrelated chords to each other. So they got like A flat major, then you got B major. Then you got uh, D major, um, and they're kind of—they're all like—I I just play them for you right now. And they're like—they're just not related at all. Um, but what they do, they use this thing that um, we call a pedal note, um, which is where the bass plays the same note underneath all of these chords, and it kind of my binds bass, them together. My bass, my bass, yes, <laughs> the bass. <laughs> um, so they play this kind of C, C in the bass, and then they play, and it, and it holds down. Um, mm. and you, you can feel the tension rising it doesn't work quite as well on the keyboard but when they're playing it in the horns oh my god i mean just being there live must have been incredible um and the tension's rising and then and then candy resolves it with her with her really just incredible solo um yeah uh, it's probably one of my most favorite funk solos of all time um it's kind of it's stuff we were talking about earlier with mike brecker um she is also a very technically able um, sax player. But um, at the start, you can just hear her developing her phrases very well. Like um, she, she plays the same thing pretty much twice um, at the start. So repetition, repetition legitimizes. Um, repetition legitimizes. Repetition, repetition legitimizes. legitimizes. <laughs> um, <laughs> is this, and, is this um, a, a music theory thing that I'm not in on? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it's, um, it's a YouTuber and musician, Adam Neely. He... I mean, oh, obviously right, everyone oh, yeah. says it as well, but he frequently says it in his videos. That's why I kind of got it from. Oh right, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's bad. a bit of a bit I of a joke. Um, 
yeah um i just think she develops her ideas so well um she has these beautiful like lyrical quite chromatic lines um and it, it's so crisp and clean um and uh, just like just like the solo so are the the backing figures they're also incredibly yeah i was gonna say that's that's the thing i noticed most about this kind of solo is all the hits they're, mm. they're so on time and so like perfect it's really hard to do that especially when you're solo you get kind of get lost in your solo and then to then hit all those hits like they're all bang on time there's not a single one of them that's like playing a wrong note and even yeah, if it would exactly. it wouldn't matter but the fact that they did was just it's just so impressive yeah well that's the other thing i was going to say is that um usually it, usually if you're soloing you wouldn't play the backing figures as well but candy stops her solo and joins in with them, which I think mm. is really impressive because she she always knows exactly where she is, even though she's kind of in the zone and improvising. Um, so yeah, well, that's the part really of a, a great live performance, isn't it? They're all, all obviously kind of communicating with each other and like completely mm. in sync. Which yeah, yeah, um, and it's exactly what you want from a funk band—just incredibly, mm. incredibly tight horn lines. Um, it just wow, it really, really packs the punch. Um, yeah, so should we move on then? Okay. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll take a, a quick break, but in part two, we will be doing the artist spotlight on Steely Dan, so stick around for that. Okay, uh, welcome to part two of the Sidetrack Music Podcast. Now it's time for our artist spotlight. So um, last time we did Tom Mish, and today we're going very far back in time, and we're, well, very far back for us it is. Uh, anyway, relatively to Tom Mish, um, we're talking about Steely Dan, um, which is not a person, it's actually a band, uh, which comprised of, well, essentially two people, so Donald Fagan and uh, Walter Becker, um, and they wrote their songs and kind of produced them, but with the help of a lot of session musicians, essentially. So I think the credit lists on all their albums are incredibly long because Donald Fagan would sing on most of the tracks. I think Walter Becker played the guitar, but um, for most of the other instruments, they had session musicians in. Um, and they're a really kind of interesting band. So they were big kind of pioneers of fusing jazz and kind of pop rock and blues. They had all the genres going. And as I'll illustrate with the three tracks we've got today, um and yeah so that that was really that kind of very incredibly unique they've got a hugely just unique sound i know i keep saying unique it's not great but um but yeah so i'll I'll start off just to give you a picture so we'll play um ricky don't lose that number from pretzel logic first um and you'll hear immediately this is a kind of a well at the the main groove it sounds very brazilian jazz which is bossa nova um and that's the kind of, well, just an example of one of the genres that they kind of find in their, their journey of music. That was corny. Um, but yeah, anyway, here's R- Ricky Don't Lose That Number, Steve. Dan. I thought a little wild time had just begun. I guess you kind of scared yourself, you turn and run. But if you have a change of heart Ricky, don't lose that number You don't want to call nobody else 
so that was Ricky Don't Lose That Number, Steady Dan. Um, Zach, you have an interesting fact for us about that particular track. Yeah, I do. So you mentioned earlier that um, this is like a bossa nova inspired track. Um, but um, what I found out actually is um, the groove that they use at the start is directly taken from the um, famous bossa nova tune, um, Song for My Father by Horace Silver. Um, and I was quite surprised when I listened to it that it was a just blatant copy of a song for my father like they didn't even try to disguise it just exactly the same baseline i'm, exactly I'm sure the they've done the copyright route. and the legal stuff i don't think they, yes don't i'm think sure it's a plagiarism yeah. issue it wouldn't be as high <laughs> in the charts if it oh, no, no. <laughs> wouldn't be allowed um, i'm sure horace silver would have something to say about it then. yeah <laughs> um but well they have taken it down they've taken it down a few semitones um so maybe they could <laughs> claim it's their own then. um yeah but i thought it was really interesting that they're just they're using this it's quite pretty famous um bossa nova groove um and then they're using it in a quite different context um and i like that they they kind of interweave it in the verses and choruses um and they keep coming back to it as like a mm. base point for the for the song um i think it's a really clever structure yeah interestingly they play that in like the kind of intro and then it mm. and then they change for the verse but then they come back to it in the in the chorus it sounds like yeah. to me I would have, ex- it, I don't know, it's, it sounds like that should be the verse because it's kind of quite a laid back thing. And you're like, okay, and then it'll go higher in the um, in the chorus, what am I saying? Yeah, so, it, and, and it would kind of increase the, the energy in the chorus. Exactly, but actually, it kind of goes yeah. down and very chilled for the chorus and it's slightly more energetic in the verse, which I guess is the kind of unorthodox thing that Steely Dan does, to be honest. Yeah, Dude, I think I, I think the drum groove is the same in the chorus as it is in the intro, but it's different with the verse. I oh, know, correct, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Zephyr. Um, um, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not mad. I don't really know the, the song that well. So <laughs> I probably have to, probably have to take another listen in order Zephyr. to work it out. Uh, yeah, I should, yeah. <laughs> but actually, speaking of bossa novas, to be honest, um, I don't know if any of you guys are on TikTok. Um, I'm, I'm a bit sad, and I am, but um. It's actually bossa nova style on like music TikTok has really like like become more prevalent. Loads of people are listening to it. Everyone's like, "Oh, what is this? What is this style?" Because a lot mm. of people don't know what it is, and everyone's like, "What's well, a bossa nova?" And you, all the musicians obviously know, but yeah. And it, it's it's really interesting that people are really finding a new interest in it and like liking it. Like I saw a cover of I think what's that awful song? The one by Ardy Body. I don't know if you know it, but it's awful. Um, it's a rap <laughs> song and. <laughs> They, someone did a bossa nova cover of it and like everyone like just jumped on it. it was like wow this is amazing what is this what is this new thing it's like it's not new it's been around for years but, is that is that hmm. because of um castaways which had a yes a it was a bit of cast- yeah. to do with castaways which um, is the backyardigans um right like backyardigans i think an american tv show which was like for kids to learn about music from all around the world and castaways was about bossa nova and was set in like the caribbean where that sort of style kind of came over because it was it's a combination of latin and um african west african like styles a lot of that music cuban music and caribbean is an influence of both those sort of genres and a lot of the rhythms are kind of brought over from there and combined and that's yeah what what a lot of jazz is based off as well yeah well musicians Mm. over the years have kept coming back to bossa nova there's something quite something quite um different about it it's very different to any kind of um european music that we listen to kind of different grooves um 
and it's quite refreshing. Um, there was a, I think there was a big bossa nova jazz movement in the, um, around fifties and sixties, people like Stan Getz got really into, um, but, um, yeah, musicians keep coming back to it. Um, and I think it's, it's really exciting actually. Um, I, I love that style of music. Hmm. Well, we've got sidetracked there, but a oh, fascinating, a <laughs> fascinating sidetracking, if I may say so. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, anyway, talk, well, talking about genres. So, in my research, I, I, can, I mean, I've, I've seen this before. So, there's a really niche genre called yacht rock. I don't know if you guys have heard <laughs> of it. Um, no? There's a no. there's a playlist on Apple Music that I that I I found. I think it was a couple of years ago, and it was called Yacht Rock. I was just kind of intrigued, and it's basically this kind of ultra smooth music from like the 70s and 80s. Um, that's the definition kind of ultra smooth it's just kind of very very easy listening and it's got people like kind of kind of songs like uh what a fool believes from the doobie brothers in there right. which is kind of quite well known but it's all just kind of very laid back um but um stevie dan is kind of i would say kind of fits into this genre because the one of the main characteristics is how smooth the production is so they're really really well made the uh Donald Fagan and Walter Becker were huge perfectionists. It took them uh, like months and years to make their albums and find the, exactly the right musicians for the right solos and the right grooves and whatever. They're huge perfectionists. So all, all their songs and albums are incredibly high quality in terms of the production and how locked in it all is. It's not scruffy at all. But um, that doesn't hide those kind of very uh, dark lyrics a lot of the time. Um, and... Uh, I found anyway. Well, that that's also what seems to be a characteristic of of yacht rock. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Steve Dan are yacht rock, but um, I just enjoy the fact that it's such a niche and beautifully named musical genre. Um, yeah, kind of. It, it reminds me of like kind of like I mean, obviously a yacht being on a yacht, but like rock. Yeah. Or, like you wouldn't associate rock music with yacht. But yeah. I guess it isn't really rock music, is it? it? It's just it's kind of e- it's easy. Like the, rock. Kind of the popular music of a yacht, like kind of. Yeah. When you're sitting there, you're in the you're in. I, I mean, I've never been on a yacht, so how, how do I know? But from movies I've seen, you always kind of have like the kind of the musicians kind of playing in a bar, yeah. in like a a restaurant, like well, like a restaurant in the yacht, and it's kind of chill, not very. You know, if your your focus isn't on them. Your focus is on your meal and your conversation, but it's there yeah. in the background. So yeah, I, I assume. Me. But so what's like so unique about rock. it is that like the music itself is really kind of polished and slightly upbeat. But if you sit down and actually listen to the lyrics, then you're like, hold on a second, that that's kind of dark. And so, with that in mind, we will play Peg, which is a song from uh, uh, the album Asia, spelt A J A. Um, and I really like this song it's very very kind of catchy I love the groove but um, yeah but it, it really kind of illustrates everything that we've been saying for the last five minutes um, so here it is Okay, so that was Peg from Asia by uh, Steely Dan. 
And um, well, talking about kind of genres, so that's kind of part of the yacht rock thing that I was talking about. But also, you'll notice the um, the verse itself is a twelve bar blues. So that's a kind of so we got bossa nova, we got kind of blues, we've got rock as well. Um, and yeah, that's just re- really it's really really catchy. And there's lots of there's a really good video on YouTube for those who are interested of Donald Fagan talking through how he wrote Peg and the actual kind of theory and chords behind it. It's very interesting because there's also some kind of bebop jazz influences. Um, so if you're if you're kind of interested to get into like the nitty gritty theory of it, then do look that up. Just shout out search uh, Donald Fagan Peg, and I'm sure it'll come up. Um, but yeah, and so but the last track I've got uh, for uh, from Steely Dan is called Black Cow, also from Asia. Um, and this one really highlights the kind of the dark lyrics um, that you get um, from Steely Dan. So the chorus goes, um, I can't cry anymore and something like that. But it's very strange because underneath it is a kind of nice laid back West Coast yacht rock vibe. And it's, it's, it's just that's I don't know. It's, it's intriguing. So, so here is Black Cow from Asia. In the corner of my So there was um, Black Cow from Agent with Steely Dan. Um, and something you might have noticed, uh, well, may- maybe not noticed, but kind of heard uh, as you listen. So in the verse there, for, for starters, there's that really cool kind of choir bit. But usually, so most music works in, in kind of groups of four or eight bars or 16. It's kind of what sounds normal to the ear. And it's, it's just kind of wide into us. And you... you always feel music in kind of eight bar groups but if you listen carefully to that verse um they they cut they basically cut out a bar and they make the whole phrase seven bars and then they kind of uh, and the eighth bar where you would just be expecting a kind of just one bar of kind of winding down before starting the verse again you go straight back into the verse and that's just not unique to this song um they really love cutting bars or just shortening bars so just doing the first two beats of a bar and then immediately cutting to the next one um and it's kind of slightly jarring you're like as you're listening you're like, oh that like that came quickly but it yeah. it what keeps the song moving because that's a relatively slow song but it keeps it moving and you're never you're never quite settled with it because you don't get that eighth bar of just kind of comfort and winding down and it kind of stops your brain from going into autopilot as well I yeah, feel like when exactly. You it keeps you over interested. And over again, you kind of you, you have it as background music, and you're not really listening. But if something changes, it draws your focus. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. And I think it also ties into Steely Dan's whole style, where it's like it's very polished and almost kind of mm. you could say it's perfect. But then, then it's like there's just like 
unevenness. It's, it's again with the lyrics. It's very kind of upbeat. And then you listen to the lyrics and there's actually something deeper there. And it's slightly yeah. kind of uncanny and uncomfortable, maybe. Um, that's why mm. I find their music so interesting. Um, just another thing about um, their harmonies, which I've noticed in a lot of Steely Dan's music. Um, they'll often have the, the main melody um, as like the lowest harmony. Um, and then they'll layer lots of harmonies on top of that, but they'll make them quite quiet. Um, which I think just, ha- it, it's a really interesting sound, um, which, uh, yeah, I, I really love from Steely Dan. Would it be sort of like overtones, like sort of how, because if you, if you don't know, people don't know, when you play a note, there's this, these things called overtones, which you can't really hear very well, but um, they're basically notes that are kind of playing, because when you're hitting something, when you're hitting a piece of a machine, whatever, whatever instrument you're playing, it's not perfectly just one note. Um, if you think about like physics, I mean, this is, you know, a bit intense, but physics, it, when things vibrate, it vibrates, um, it makes waves and like the waves kind of have frequencies and I'm explaining this awfully, but, um, the <laughs> point is, very there's, science and physics. I've got very science, but the point is there's the, these <laughs> notes which are heard and they, they have kind of these really perfect intervals and that's where like intervals in music come from. They come from the overtone series and, you could, I mean, I don't know what the harmonies are they're playing in these, like Zach just said, but they could well, be, I don't know if they're these perfect intervals, but overtones. Well, yeah, m- most natural overtones, well, actually all natural overtones start with an octave, so yeah. that would be a very weird That would harmony. be a weird harmony. Yeah. So but, I, I don't think it is um, the overtones. No, but but you suddenly um, see what I mean, it's kind of a kind of over, the, over rather than going yeah. underneath, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Kind of creating a chord underneath like you kind of would expect. It's yeah, kind of um, just more like an extension of a note. I, if that makes sense, I'm like kind of waffling, but um, but I mean, th- yeah, like, you're right. It's a really unique sound. Like I've thought that the I don't know enough to be able to tell you what it is, but in the chord progressions that they do, it's entirely unique, and you will not hear uh, Steely Dan chord progression in any other band's kind of work. Like uh, with mm. Steely Dan, and also with Donald Fagan's uh, solo work, you instantly hear like through all the songs there's some kind of chord progression stuff you're like oh yeah that's it, it that's that's steely dan that's donald fagan yeah. because it's incredibly unique to him and he does it all the time in all the songs almost it's almost repetitive but it's always kind of slightly different to kind of keep it interesting he's not just repeating himself all the time but it's just really really unique and it, it you can so you can hear it anywhere yeah it's a really really cool sound um there's, there's just something about it you can just you can just tell instantly it's steely dan and you're right it's it's in many many of their tracks um kind of hard to think of one where it isn't and yeah. um it's it's really nice to have that kind of low harmony be the main melody because it it kind of makes it quite strong because it's the low one yeah um and at first you kind of don't realize why the harmonies sound so good um but it's like when i was listening to it like really listening to it i was just like oh of course these these harmonies are higher but they're they're quite quiet, so you don't really notice them. But it kind of makes it makes it sound really like really strong. Um, as mm. you just heard in Black Cow at like the the lyrics, um, "You were high, like you were high." Oh um, yeah, that's such like a, a nice whole moment. choir behind them. Such a great moment. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I listen to that every time. Well, speaking of cool sounds, it brings us to the end of this podcast, um, <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, so th- thank you for listening. Um, I hope you found it interesting, um, not too nerdy. Um, we we try to we'll try and restrict Zephyr's physics 
tendencies. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not even good time. at physics. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we've talked about some sax solos. We had Candy Dolpha with Pick Up the Pieces. We had Smooth Operator from Sharda. And we had ca- another Candy, but Candy by Cameo. Um, and then we've also we've talked about Steely Dan Lady. So you can go check out all of those artists, uh, the songs, and also their, their other work. Um, I'm sure I'm going to talk about Donald Fagan and his solo career at some point in another, in another episode because he's got some really cool uh-huh. albums. Um, but I will save that for another time. So, uh, Zach and Zephyr, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, just um, go check out Steely Dan. They're, they're a great band. They are not a person. It took me ages to figure out who was a person. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, a great band um, name. I wonder how they come up with it. Great band name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also just sounds like a name. So <laughs> confuse yeah. me for a bit. And um, um, don't be afraid to leave suggestions for any other videos, any of our, any of our brief ideas, spotlight ideas, anything like that. Just we'll, all the links will yeah. be on our on our page. So just... Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the socials and our email all in the description. So do get in touch uh, if you want to, like Zeph said, with suggestions and stuff. And with that, we'll wrap it up. That was the Sidetrap Music Podcast, episode two. See you next time. Sidetracked, the music podcast.